You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 223rd episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is 2018 Shawamigan Showdown winner Tim Hayes in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt uh, Gas Tax Allen in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, and this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts, where um, I'm still trying to get my legal team together to look into the Shawamigan results uh, due to some... Uh, you know, some shenanigans, which I can't really go into uh, based on legal grounds. Hey, guys, big race today. Um, let's just let's just cut to the chase. Thanks, let's I had to a big race. Of the big... Oh, you're talking, you're no, talking about no, me? No, we had a really... Oh, okay. No, no, we had a really big yeah. worldwide race today. So Gloucester, yeah, Gloucester Cycle Cross no. happened No, 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 uh, no, no, Acres, no, no, day two in the mud. Guys, I know you think this is a bit. This is not a bit. We had a really big race today yes, that we need to Gloucester. discuss. Yeah, we know. It's the no, 20th anniversary. The huge UCI race. Biggest on the on the eastern seaboard. Uh, really uh, special event. I think it was 11th anniversary no. and it snowed. Guys, you... Seriously. Okay. Can we talk about it? Lombardy was yesterday. Today was Iron Man Louisville and Andrew Talansky oh. got 11th place. <laughs> Oh wow, <laughs> that is big. That's huge. Yes, this is right outside the top. This 10. is the news. I take it Can all you, back. Well, yeah, yes, I stand corrected. You guys, I guess. you guys sitting here trying to interrupt me this whole time about Gloucester and Green Acres and some race in Italy. When the important news that we all mm-hmm. we have not been keeping track of Andrew Tillandsky's Ironman career. No, a guilty as charged, I, guys. Now. <laughs> Today was the beast. Today was like the B squad Ironman because all the the actual real Ironman athlete. Well, sorry, not real. They're all real athletes. Asterisks, mm-hmm. but a lot of them were in Kona for the World Championships, which was on, I believe, Saturday. But Sunday was in Louisville, and I have an expert um, Ironman friend, Graham Partain. You know him. He rides a sleeveless jersey. We've discussed it before. He told me. That they had to shorten the swim today at the Ironman in Louisville be- because of the river. You know the river that ruined the World Championships. Yeah, or made it better for cyclocross. Yeah, they had to. It was a down river swim, and it was only like nine tenths of a mile. So everyone's got like an ax- asterisk on their results. But here's the crazy thing: Talansky only got sixth on the bike out of hmm. everybody. Well, the bikes last. Like his right? bikes. No, that's second. Oh, he's probably tired. But his bikes. His bike split was sixth overall. I mean, that kind of that kind of tracks as far as his whole career goes. You know what I mean? Ouch! And then his his marathon time, he got twelfth overall. He ran a three and a half hour marathon. He has to get he has to chop basically thirty minutes off that marathon time to be competitive for Kona, which was earlier in the weekend on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Lang won that in a time of seven hours and fifty two minutes. Um, that's... Over a guy named Bart Arnouts from Belgium. What? 
Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, Bart Arnouts. Bart Arnouts, who was a former cross racer. Uh, I don't know. Was, I mean, Bart, maybe. Really? I have a feeling this... there's a lot of guys named Bart Arnouts. Yeah, I think Belgium. that's like Jim Smith. No way. This is this story was really boring, and this just got really interesting to me. Bart Arnouts, wait, my favorite wait, wait. little teeny You're... short short uh, crosser from like 2005 through 2012. Maybe. Sure, little guy. I, But friend of the podcast, Sarah True, you may remember as Sarah Groff um, p- uh, prior to marriage, U.S. Uh, Olympian. She got fourth overall in the uh, women's side of Kona. So that's, that's impressive. You know, some of that podcast love is, um, you know, is actually going over to this other side of the sport. So anyways, that, that ends the podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And we pretty much just crushed cycling coverage worldwide. How does how does uh, Tim maybe you know this? How does Iron Man, as they call it, work? Is the bike part overseen by the UCI and the no. running is run overseen <laughs> by the the running international oh. and the swimming yeah. by the this swimming actually, internationals? This is a really good question, little guy. Thanks. Iron Man is actually overseen by the private organization called the World Triathlon Council, oh. which is owned by the billionaire guy from uh, China that bought it. Okay, and he. They have Ironmans all over the world. Like, I think this weekend alone, there's like six of them worldwide, like half Ironman. There's like a half Ironman in Asheville. Mm-hmm. And so they're all over. But then they do drug testing, kind of. Like every now and then, <laughs> someone will get popped. That's like what I do. <laughs> I occasionally do drug but, testing on people. Um, Kind of. Anyways, it it's a crazy event. And you guys, we, I, we did a podcast once from there when I yep. was there. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a... These it's insane to see what they're doing and nothing but respect. I could never do one. I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but it is entertaining from a pure athletic um, standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniello Riff uh, took the win in the women's side over Lucy Charles and Anne Huang of uh, Germany. Okay. So, anyways, pretty uh, pretty cool to see. But let's get to the real news. Um, let's get to Gloucester. Spencer, anything exciting in cyclocross oh, in New England? Everything about cyclocross in New England is exciting. Come on. Um, no, Glo- Gloucester was this weekend. It's the 20th anniversary, like I mentioned earlier. It was uh, another uh, spectacular event. That thing is uh, second to none as far as just fan experience. I think that's what Gloucester does the best. Like The course is good. The racing is good and all that. But the fan experience is second to none it truly is now what i know of gloucester is the big rock they're like i i know the picture mm-hmm. of the rock and i believe there's a lot of like uh, neighborhood people that get mad about mud in the grass or has that kind of been solved oh no the, the neighborhood people have always been a thorn in the side uh which is kind of a bummer um they have to struggle you know, to get that race to happen every single year, despite it having been this longstanding thing forever. And also that they like 20 years is generational at this point. Right? Yeah, it is like, like just accept it's going to happen. But I've, I've, I was recently informed and I mean, I knew that they did landscaping and stuff after the race, but they are the only event all year that uses that park that does any landscaping afterwards at all. So like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where that people, you know, get uppity about things that are benefiting the park uh, for no real reason other than they don't like it. But anyway, that's all a side note. 
The rock is still there. I know that's where you were trying to get at. Uh, it hasn't moved. It looks about the same size as last time I saw it uh, last year. Do they ride up it? They don't. They ride past it. It's a pretty big, I got to say it's probably three stories tall. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a, so it's a good photo rock. It's a big rock. Yeah. Is it Plymouth Rock? Yeah. No, that that's in Plymouth. This is Gloucester. Oh. Um, it's Gloucester Rock. It's Gloucester Rock. It probably is Gloucester Rock. I don't, actually don't know. Which what sounds it's like a weird subgenre of New England like hair metal from the late seventies. Gloucester Rock. I th- I was going. To, it sounds a little bit like Fraggle Rock. Like a little bit. You know, yeah, it does that too. Yeah, it's a real offshoot of the Jim Henson classic. I'd like to think it's a hair metal band. Could be. Could be. Either way, um, the rock is kind of this photo op that you always see every year of the, of the thing. And there's always a couple of spectators up on top of it who have managed to scale the rock and uh, and watch the race from up there. I have never been on top of that rock until today, you guys. Yeah, we, we got the photo. And I love how you, like, you weren't in the photo. No. Like maybe your hand was in the photo with a thumbs up <laughs> or like pointing. No, I, I scaled the rock and... Um, I took in the views. It was it was breathtaking. It's beautiful ocean view, light light uh, lighthouse, and and the whole park, and the race, and the festivities, and all that. And uh, shortly after I climbed up, someone else scrambled up behind me. Uh, oh, one and only former U.S. national champion Jeremy Powers. And <gasps> and your photo was very tasteful. It wasn't like, hey guys, I'm hanging out with Jeremy Powers. It was like, hey, you guys should come up to Gloucester next time. Check out this course. And then I had to zoom in to be like, oh, well, well done, Spencer. Like, like you're just hanging out with Jeremy Powers on on top of the rock. No, it's true. And he climbed up and he said, hey, man, this is my first time up on this rock. I'm really excited. I've been here so many times. And I said, me too. So we, we, you know, we had a little bit of a moment. Um, I mean, it's only like my, I don't know, fourth, fifth Gloucester and probably his like, I don't think he's done all 20, but he's done pretty close to all 20. Um, Anyway. That was a fun, a little fun moment. But uh, the racing was awesome. Ellen Noble took the wins in the UCI women's race both days. She was on fire. She destroyed everyone. It was pretty baller. Uh, okay. In the men's race, uh, much more dynamic, much more interesting. But Curtis White did manage to take the win both days as well. Um, today was uh, a group of six racing, attacking each other, different guys off the front all day long. It was super fun. Um uh, Lane Mayer and uh, Anthony Clark rounded out the podium um, for the men. So Lane Mayer, who's this street horse person? Uh, he's a very fast, very young kid who is um, now on the Cannondale Cyclocross World Team along with mm. Curtis White. Figures. Yep. And uh, was uh, Gage Heck there by any chance? I do not believe so, no. Okay. Um, um, but Jamie Driscoll was in that group. Tobin Ortenblad was in that group. Um, Spencer Petroff. Let me, you know, all, all the can, heroes. I guess what place Jamie Driscoll got. Let me see. Um, fifth. So close. He was fourth. <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> overachieving this weekend. Wait, but on Saturday he was fifth. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> he probably so, was. Spencer. Yeah. My takeaway, like, people, if you want the results and the full recaps, I'm sure you can get like really good coverage on Crosshairs Radio, our uh, sister uh, uh, show on the network. Yep. But Spencer, we need to get down to brass tacks. Okay. I think you put on a little bit of a clinic today and you haven't hit it yet. So I'm going to just, you know, pop your 
pop your bubble, you know, burst your bubble before it before uh, you have a chance to uh, walk all over us. Okay. Your little wagon that you had yeah. that you brought to the pit. Yeah. Well done. I was very impressed. I've always been impressed that more people don't rock the the wagon. And you had a nice wagon. It had the spare wheels. I saw some spare shoes in there because mm-hmm. uh, you were working the pit for your much better half, mm-hmm. uh, who was racing in the uh, the UCI women's race. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think the folks over at Cross uh, Bike Shop CX could learn a thing or two after seeing that wagon. Yeah, you, being pulled. you know, I listened to their uh, pit bag episode and all the tools and, and supplies you should have in the pit, and I thought. That's amazing. All that is correct. But how am I going to get it all there? So Exactly. Um, and I have made that trek to a wheel pit yeah. several times at a cross race. It sucks. Yeah. But if I had a wagon? like You need a, you need a small mm-hmm. folding all-terrain wagon with little knobby wheels, little knobby tires on it. Um, just like a cross <laughs> yeah, bike. Yeah, those knobs. You know? What was your PC, PSI in the uh, on the tires? Uh, they're actually made up hard plastic, so I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> um but yeah, I had, now, uh, in- I had the two wheel sets in there. It was a muddy day on Saturday, so I had the uh, the wash bucket in there with the brushes and everything from service course. I had uh, the spare shoes, like you mentioned, my inflator, the normal tools and, and things that you need, um, uh, you know, to make any repairs, you know, extra derailleur hangers, all that in the pit. Did you have a lawn chair? I did not. I had. I did use the wagon to bring Fail. the lawn chair from the car to the team tent, though. So yes, yes and no. I didn't need it in the so, pit, though. It's all business. You're, you're the pit boss. You're the pit boss of the podcast. Yeah. Um, do you? Is it frowned upon to bring like a a lawn chair? Like like could you like uh you know like your racer goes by and then you're like all right I'm just gonna kick it back a little bit <laughs> settle down in my chair I don't think um, uh, anybody would care but I don't think you would actually be sitting down all that much yeah uh, okay um so overall the Gloucester report's good uh, we'll put up a picture of uh, Spencer's uh, little wagon up on the uh, Instagram you can find us at the slow ride pod on IG but um little guy that sounds like a news break because <laughs> I believe that you actually raced cyclocross this weekend at the one and only Green Acres Cross in Minnesota. I did. I raced both days. Uh, yeah, local racing news. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, probably the biggest race in Minnesota other than states. And the best race in Minnesota, I'd say. Best course. Um, yesterday was dry and sunny, and I sucked. And today was super muddy. It snowed maybe half an inch this morning, which is a very early snow. Yeah. And it made it crazy muddy. Uh, You guys have both seen this race. It's basically a giant tubing hill. So you go up a super steep climb and then you chicane down it. And then there's some muddy stuff around a pond and there's stairs and all kinds of craziness and a big sandy hill. And it's, it's got it all. And it was so muddy and it was great. It was a ton of fun. Um, yeah, it's great. I don't know. And there was a lot of people there for a local Minnesota race. There was 40 plus toe in the line in the one, two, three race. So that's pretty big. But there's also, there's a lot of people from uh, around the Midwest and a bunch of fast Canadians came down. Ooh, and, the mysterious Canadians uh, from Thunder Bay and Winnipeg that every now and then. Make I don't the know trip where down. they're from, but the guy who won today, and I totally forget his name, um, was a fast Canadian. So, so how did you finish? Good. Like, what were your results? You're the one that brings uh, like, uh, validity to our podcast so you better yeah have a yesterday result. i would say 
I had a very off day. I was probably somewhere in the 30s, uh, out of around 40-some. Ooh. Today, I was 8th. Out oh, of about the eighth. same. Okay. That's a Not huge bad. turnaround. So today... That's a huge turnaround. It was a huge Did turnaround. Did you get tested? If you take both of those and you average them, I think I think it's safe to say you got 16th each day. Uh, yeah, basically. Now, this was a... Um, you did get 16th each day if you're average. Thank you, Spencer, for doing the quick math. Mm-hmm. Ho- this is a one-year anniversary since a uh, friend of the pod, Jay Hollywood Henderson, got tested <laughs> by uh, yep. USADA. It popped. And popped and busted for uh, just being a little too high. Um, for the devil's lettuce. For the devil's lettuce. And, and he was back on the podium. And the reason I bring this up is, guys, kind of big news. I want to give a shout out to Jay. I know Jay's been listening to our podcast for a long time. He's also listened to the old Bike Throw podcast when we used to do that back in the day. Hollywood Cycles is closing in Minneapolis after a 14-year run. And probably one of my favorite bike shops around. Um, I don't know how Jay kept it open for 14 years, but he did. And uh, major props, uh, Jay. And good job this weekend, because I did see that you won in the 45-plus category and was not pulled for testing by USADA. <laughs> so you win yep. there as well. Um, yeah, so, he's been racing good last little couple guy, years. Did you, uh, did you crash at all on the descent? Nope. I didn't crash at all today. That was my key, my super secret key to success, which is that I went uh, fairly fast and didn't fall, whereas other people went faster than me and then fell, mm-hmm. and other people uh, went slower and fell, and I just went a, a, a pace and didn't fall. That was a solid strategy. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I, you know, I've been working with different strategies through the years and cross. Sometimes I'm like, I'll go fast but fall. Sometimes I go slow and fall or don't fall. But I think this medium no fall thing is generally the best just in terms of how I feel after the race yeah. and result. So I guess I've got two questions for you, little guy. The first one, um, friend of the pod, Matt Leisinger, has, uh, you know, who also mm-hmm. gave me the bike um, that I used to slay you guys at Schwamigan, told me that um, Minnesota cyclocross attendance has actually been um, fairly flat. How was the turnout yes. um, at Green Acres uh, this weekend? What's the, what's the temperature check on cyclocross in the upper Midwest? It seemed to be, I mean, like I said, it was a, it was a pretty big turnout from out of state. There was a lot of, you know, around the Midwest people, a bunch of fast Canadians. I mean, today with the snow, it was a little bit down. A bunch of people didn't want to come out. But it's but, real um, cyclocross weather. Well, and, and you know how that works, right? When you have real, real air quotes, real cyclocross weather, uh, attendance drops. Whereas, yes, Saturday's race was, you know, 50-some and sunny, and it was gorgeous, and it was great. Uh, but, oh. yeah, it was huge. It's It definitely looked like more to me, but he said it was about last year. But, no, I mean... Other races are definitely down. All right. And then my second question, a little bit of a segue, but they are linked together because when you walked into Green Acres this morning, um, well, I know they're actually yesterday and today, and you were paying for Mm -hmm. your uh, race entry. I know you were planning on cashing in um, about five Valverde coins um, that uh, you had picked up after he won the world championship. Value was skyrocketing. Um, yeah, it went way up. And then after the UCI's recent, uh, or sorry, the 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 revision, the reimagining of the Operation Puerto case, Valverde <laughs> yeah. coins have absolutely plummeted. Um, yeah. Did you have any issues uh, trying to cash in uh, Valverde coins today? 
Well, I did. So, you know, I pre-regged on Bike Reg, and I, I tried to use the little drop-down menu there to choose Valverde coins, Valverde coins. And um, I got to say, they only accepted PayPal and credit card, which I found a little funny, being as the third most common currency is the Valverde coin. <laughs> um, so I put in a call to their 1-800, uh, you know, helpline, and I didn't get any yeah. help that <laughs> could solve this problem. So, so I tried to bring them with and use them to buy a coffee at the food truck afterwards and again, stymied. And I mean, I even offered him one Valberde coin, which is worth, what, like 100 US dollars, but instead he, no they just wanted mm. four quarters for this cup of coffee. So uh, that was the frustrating part of the weekend, I got to say. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying, that totally frustrating, um, Valverde, yeah. totally, the value has plummeted I mean, uh, by this it's, recent... It's part of the risk of, in the inherent risk of a volatile uh, investment, emerging market like Valverde as a yeah. world champion. Um, it is it is yeah. proving to be uh, volatile for him as well. Yeah. It's proven to be very volatile because, of course, the Spanish doping authorities answered the request of Coney, which is the... Italian, Italian yeah. version of yeah. USADA, who just can't get it out of their mind that Moscon got crushed by Valverde <laughs> at the World Championships, and now they're going after Valverde, who, mind you, already served a two-year ban for yeah. Operation Puerto. So the How fact that they're trying Valverde? to well, they're trying to bring him back into it to really just nail down the fact that yeah. his blood was in there beyond just the. But DNA we know it was his blood in there. Before. But little guy, it's about a smear campaign to ruin the legacy of uh-huh. one of the few cyclists that's still around that didn't do the fake retirement. Like, I'm going to get angry here. He didn't do the fake retirement that <laughs> my favorite guy yeah, at the he time, just Frank denied it Mancebo, then... did. He just denied it. He's like, yeah, you know, he took his two-year ban, then he moved on. And he is faster mm-hmm. than everybody else in the world in that type of race, <laughs> and it's fun to watch. <laughs> And whatever, man. Do you, you can call me a doping I apologist. Though. I have absolutely you no are. problem with it. I've been reading countless articles about like the consternation of if Val Beardé is a valid champion and how everyone now is going to talk about his doping. I don't care. Talk mm-hmm. about his doping. He won the world championships and it looked damn good when he won it. And that bike that he's got now, <laughs> the Canyon bike with the These crazy weird almost, excuses for the doping. Almost re- what stop? The, the, the Canyon bike <laughs> with almost the retro paint job, the retro Klein-esque yeah. paint job is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It matches the world championship kit with the black shorts. Fantastic. He's now got the white arm warmers. So, you know, we can cut down on a little bit of the dark so, blue that he had before. It Tim, looks good. Tim, let me just let me just cut through all this, uh, you know, the pomp and circumstance you've got going on here. And I want to know, I think our listeners want to know, I think our listeners deserve to know, should they invest in Valberta coin? What is the futures? They absolutely must invest in it because for multiple reasons, I'm an unbiased person. I I am not going to make any money whatsoever by talking up uh-huh. Alejandro Valverde being a wonderful person, one of the best people around, and quite possibly it's an investment that you can't lose. Uh-huh. Okay, get it, yeah. get all in on it now. Uh, do you guys think that when Italy actually gets the results of those blood bags, they might get a little quiet because there's going to be maybe a few more Italians on that list than they were hoping for? But they're not going to release like that. I mean, this they, whole they story, all retired in 2006. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, other than aside uh, from Visconti, 
People's going to be on there. I I hope Muscon is on that list, and that like he was like six How years old. How will he old. be on that he's list? Like seven years old, and he's like, he's at like the local um, bike jumble. <laughs> the only uh, list we're gonna find Moscon is on like the the like the party affiliation roles for some far right party yeah. in northern Italy. You know, some like far right separatist party. That's the only thing that we're gonna find. So let, let's cut to the chase. This the fifth monument of cycling, um kind of the precursor oh. to the sixth monument of cycling, which is next week mm-hmm. in Japan, mm-hmm. was the race of the falling leaves, the hundred and twelfth running of Il Lombardia in Italy. And in 11th place was Alejandro Valverde, looking resplendent <laughs> in the World Championship kit, only 131 down. Yeah. 16th place was Dario Cataldo of the Astana team. But let's get mm-hmm. right to it. Yeah, who won? Thibaut Pino. Thibaut Pino <laughs> with a first place win 32 seconds over the Shark, Nibali, and Dylan Toons in third place. A uh, special shout out to Rigoberto Uran and Tim Wellens for riding out the wide angle podium there. Um, I watched the last 18k um, on mm-hmm. a YouTube like YouTube feed that was, uh, I believe, Spanish, maybe Italian. Oh, and so I could understand. Tim, you like, did it wrong. Yeah, you did it wrong. You've got to watch from 50k out because the tack comes really far out, and you got to watch it on the French feed, like I did, because it was nothing but periodic shouts of total pure bliss. Just on yeah just well, like they couldn't contain the happiness like the moment when uh pino finally cracked nibali yeah that was at 18k late in the race, I watched that like i saw that that i wasn't looking at the race i was like getting ready to go to green acres but i had it on and i just heard this like sh- scream and shout of french excitement and i knew that finally one of his attacks had stuck and he'd gotten rid of the shark it was oh it was a master class. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. Like it was, it was a good race. I'm not going to watch 50k of it. I guess that I may be <laughs> I may be over the hump as far as like how much yeah. bike racing I want to watch right now. Um I was watching eight and a half hours of live coverage of Andrew Talansky dominating uh-huh. the uh, Ironman Louisville today. Yeah. But um well, I could wear anybody out. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Yeah. I uh, I thought the final 15k was a lot of fun to watch. Um I was pretty stoked for Pino. Has uh yeah this is Pino's first monument win I believe yep and uh, so always great to see I kind of want Nibali to win I'm not gonna lie it'd be pretty cool to see yeah. uh, Italian win it was um, good but uh but Pino, Pino man I mean I I'm not saying you got to go watch the 50k but I just want to I just good want because I'm everyone not. to think <laughs> no no but I'm just saying that like very rarely is any race any monument like that settled not settled but like the race winning move comes that far out like when pino and uh, nibali went how many they countered roglic like that was really far out like i mean that's okay, just come a huge tip of the hat like sure tip it of the hat great. but are you trying to tell me all those times consolara won like flanders or roubaix he didn't attack from way out and i mean remember that's like the whole point of the video when he presses the button and he speeds up i just i don't feel like it was that far i mean somebody can somebody who's not uh me you or spencer can go back and crunch the numbers about when the race when he moves go like how many k out but i feel like at these big races more and more they come down to winning moves going within the last 10k or something you know and not that far out like it wasn't that they just win and they had a teammate like they went solo and held off the field like there was a point where uh ef education first presented by new balance shoes and multiple colors were they had martinez on the front 
of the Peloton for a really long time, drilling it, you know, to bring back uh, that group to set up Iran and that huge VO2 max for the win. And they, you know, nobody could do it. So it was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, yes, it's impressive. Watch the last 15K. That's all so you need to watch. So does this, does this uh, victory for Pino usher in a renaissance of, uh, of French cycling? Wow. Um, Spencer, perfect inclination. Like, oh, man. Yeah. I think we're already in a renaissance of French cycling. We didn't need this win to confirm it. I mean, Bardet's been close. Little guy, you've been you saying know. this for 15 years. It's the wax seal on the outside of the scroll, um, you know, that they're handing to the next generation of cycling. That that French cycling is back, baby. Okay. That, that it is yeah, not. it's back. And, you know, we will wait to see the result of the sixth monument in uh, in the Japan Cup here in the next week or so um, to confirm it. But I have a strong suspicion that France is on the way up, just like Valverde coin, uh, guaranteed to succeed for the foreseeable future. I mean, we've been... Yeah, the French have some sort of currency by that. Yeah. I don't think they you do. You guys have been pressing this French renaissance for about 15 years that we've been having the podcast either recorded or when we were sitting on the messenger bench in Minneapolis about how awesome French cycling is. Yeah. It's, um, uh, but it's come a long way. I mean, think about it when we were first Absalon um, was talking about this, like I was going on and on about Gadre yeah. and uh, about how he was the next, the next best thing. And like, yeah, he pulled yeah. a Veronk. Christophe Moreau. Moreau. Now that's a cyclist. Now I'm waiting for the Venezuelan Renaissance of cycling after Jose Rujano's awesome um, tours uh-huh. or Giro. Tim, name another Venezuelan cyclist. I don't know any. All right, exactly. That's why there <laughs> maybe needs to be a Renaissance. No, it's true. Maybe they're going to be like Colombia because what five six years ago I, so, I could have said Iran. I mean, and pretty, that would have been it. And now it's every you know Bernal was there at the finish, so, uh, like in the end of Lombardy for a while and looking amazing. So. Yeah, he was. I mean, I just it was pretty cool to see Lombardy. But can we also Michael Woods in thirteenth place? I mean, is he slowly becoming the next? Like, I know it's a little too early, but his results are starting to be eerily similar to. Uh, a little Alejandro Valverde, and he might get a little <laughs> bit more credit because he speaks English and he's American, which is awesome. And he's not that- American, and he's he yeah, he's really good, Tim. <laughs> he's awesome. His results have been fantastic. We are adopting him as American right now, and we don't oh, okay. need to like go over the fact that yeah, he's can Canadian, but he came to the states to go to college <laughs> yeah. at University of Michigan. Therefore, yeah. pretty sure I'm doing the back of the napkin math here is that we can adopt him as our own because. You know who is not having a renaissance? American cycling. It's actually pretty embarrassing outside of Ben <laughs> King right now. And the fact that we have the individual pursuit record on the track well, with Ash and Lambie, we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, but, I mean, with the with the retirement of Tyler Farrar, what have we really had? You know, like... Well, and, and we're just talking about male cycling right now because the women are doing more than enough to... Yeah, the oh, women's yeah. side is... Pulling its weight in more. It's not even on the, the renaissance. The renaissance yeah, yeah, is over sure. there. So for sure. It's not even a renaissance. <laughs> Apologies. Like, you know, that's very important to remember here. Um, but, oh, man. Anyways, um, let's head into the pre lap. And when we come out, we got a great uh, listener email. And also, we've got to uh, talk. Gotta, we got to talk about some other things. Yeah, I got a thing I wanted to say about uh, Bling Matthews. So the other day, we're. 
This is Sarah Groff, U.S. Olympian, and this is the Slow Ride Podcast. Oh, what do you know? It's time for another Prem Lap, and here we are, once again, heading over to WideAnglePodium.com to see the slew of shows that you can listen to and become a member or a listener supporter. Um, special shout out to Crosshairs Radio, who continues to crush it, and all of the new subscribers and supporters of Crosshairs Television that have come on through the Wide Angle Podium um, network subscribe uh, button. What's great about it is you can go into the Wide Angle Podium um, support network and you can actually choose the shows that you would like to support with some of your donations. So it goes straight back to the shows and then also pays for the hosting and all of the other um, material uses such as the quality microphones, things like that. So I would personally like to thank everybody that does it, but uh, head over to wideanglepodium.com uh, to learn more about our shows. Mm -hmm. And when you're there, there's a little banner on the side for Grimper Brothers Coffee, where you can get your very own bag of full Schleck uh, coffee. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. Uh, it's a delicious light roast that Grimper um, has especially formulated for the Wide Angle Podium for the listeners of the show to get you fueled up for your morning ride, for your morning commute, for your uh, day at the office, um, for whatever you need. Um, we're there for you. Um we're just, we've got the jersey unzipped and uh, we're ready to put that image right into your mind first thing in the morning. So if uh, if that's something mm -hmm. that you think you'd be into, head over to uh, grimperbrothers.com and uh, get yourself a bag of full Schleck. It is, like I said, fresh roasted. Um, when you order once a week, they uh, gather up those orders, roast it all up and ship it out to you. You have it uh, in, in just a day or two there via priority mail. So Gets there right away, fresh and delicious for you. That's right. Do you guys think the um? Do you think the Schlecks shaved their chests, or they were just naturally mm, that hairless? Do you think they're like mole rats? Absolutely shaven, probably waxed. Oh man, that's a lot of work. See, they went through a lot of effort so that we could appreciate their unzipped jersey ways. So go buy yourself some coffee. Mm -hmm. Bring it full you circle. Know, and we have um. I, I want to bring up in the pre-lap, so we've had, over time, we've had a lot of great sponsors that have uh, um, helped out with the uh, podcast, uh, you know, service course, we've had um, Health uh, health IQ, mm -hmm. and many, and one of our original sponsors, early sponsors um, that we partnered with was Buckler and Brocation, and uh, John Mason, mm -hmm. the gentleman behind Buckler, um, makes some great product, and he lives in Tallahassee and absolutely got uh, shredded by oh, really? uh, Hurricane uh, Matt Michael that came through. So just give a quick shout out to uh, John with Buckler Embrocation. Um, we're thinking of you. I know you still listen to the, uh, the old show and uh, hope yeah. to do uh, something with you in the future. But um, again, uh, happy to see that you made it through uh, the hurricane. Yeah. Good. Um, That's good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in, in other wide angle podium news, uh, you touched on it briefly earlier. We do have a new addition to this family. Um, Crosshairs Television. Uh, which Bill from Crosshairs Radio has been producing on his YouTube channel, is now officially part of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Um, Woo. Yeah, it's super cool because it's our first foray into something that isn't a podcast. Um, so, you know, if you watch those videos, if you watch those recaps that he's doing of all the American cross racing, uh, and you think that is 
something that you want to support or something you want to see more of, um, the support goes a long way to helping him. He doesn't have any sponsors at the moment for for that endeavor. It is a, a labor of love. So if you want to toss him some bucks, um, you can do that through wideanglepodium.com uh, slash donate now, and you can allocate your funds to um, Slow Ride Podcast and Crosshairs Television. Well, Spencer, with that... <laughs> Let's uh, get back to the show. What up? This is Thomas Koyinch, and you're listening to this low ride podcast. Um, guys, we got a fantastic email um, this week from Stephen Daly. Uh, who says, hey guys, did you see this article on cyclingmagazine.ca? No, of course not. Cycling. <laughs> no, no, I, missed, I uh, must have missed that one. Uh. Regarding Rob hmm. Breton's bike packing prep for Worlds, pretty cool, interesting, and timely, giving the Warbass Tour and the recent Education First deal with Rafa. Is this the wave of the future? More to the point, I haven't heard much talk of Britain's contribution to Woods's bronze. Though Woods did mention this post-race like a polite Canadian. Any thoughts on Canada's tactics for the day or small team tactics at Worlds overall? Keep up the good work. Always entertaining. Steve. And P.S. Canadian fact-checking. Steve Bauer took bronze, not silver, at the 1984 Worlds. Silver was at the 84 LA Olympics. And Canada is legalizing cannabis this month, not voting on it. LOL. Like a classic (laughs) Canadian. um, You guys messed that up. I think we nailed it. We messed it up. But the only part here is that Steve didn't apologize to us in the email. Like he should have said, "Sorry to have to do this, guys." But some Canadian Sorry fact I have checking. to tell you you're wrong. But um, let's go to Rob Breton's uh, bike pack packing uh, prep for worlds. I know Spencer, you had mentioned some of the you know riders that are starting to do this bike packing thing because yeah. of the War Boss Tour. Um, and we're getting eerily close to what at one time was a joke that we had created here on the Slow Ride podcast. Yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah we had an episode called World, uh, World Championships, Championships. I can't even pronounce it anymore. We're going to have to ch- yeah. change the name, but we were on point. I bought the domain name and for a while redirected to our website. It has since lapsed uh, because, you know, it was just a mile, uh, uh, like, and it, it was a like an eight dollar joke. Yeah, it was a time capsule <laughs> joke. It didn't need to continue, but I may need to re up that because I think we are getting, uh, like you said, eerily close to a world uh, championship level bikepacking event where you know you have ten days to get across Europe or something with only the things in your back and who can do it the fast, like something like that. Well, they already do some of these events, right? Like they already do the Trans Alp yeah. Challenge, well, or sure. the, uh, the Tour Divide. So it's only a matter of time before the UCI tries to like needle their way that, into this that's, and just that's, ruin the fun yeah, for everybody. That's the fear, right? Like is that and, they'll create some rules and laws around it and everybody'll need twelve fall cars and three motorcycles. And uh, oh, bare minimum. Can you imagine? Bare minimum. So this whole thing, like about like I wasn't super familiar with Rob Britton's like uh, whole bike packing training camp, but it it reminded me a lot of remember Sven Tuft doing the old like I'm gonna ride to uh, the Prime Alliance camp from Vancouver all the way down to San Francisco. Oh, he was, and you'd, you'd hear these stories. He was a Canadian as well, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I mean, but that's, he I mean, says as much. Rob so, Rob says as much. It was his inspiration. Was Sven man? Hmm. 
Yeah, 1,700 kilometer trip from Calgary to Port Renfrew, British Columbia, with 60 pounds of gear and a couple of friends. That was his planning. I mean, that's. I mean, a- anything to get out of Calgary, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh. <laughs> wow. Good joke. I mean, I would just go to Edmonton, but, you know. Yeah. No, no one really wants to yeah, be there. Yeah, they got James that hockey team, right? So, um, anyway, big news in the uh, world of cycling with the bike packing definitely happening. It, it's a matter of time. So, Spencer. Who do you like off the top of your head? Who do you think would be the best bike packer in the world tour? The best uh, bike packer in the world tour currently, and we're gonna I'm gonna strike Thomas DeGent and the guys that we know have recently done it uh, yeah, from yeah, yeah. from this. Because um, Sven Tufts is already like the old like he's already in the Hall of Fame. Sure, like he's- sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, I mean. I think there's no question that Adam, Adam Hansen would be a, a good choice. I think he could yeah, uh, Adam Hansen, innovate yep. his way into some uh, some pretty efficient uh, uh, bike packing. Um, but you know, I'm I'm I, racking my brain to try and think of a French uh, cyclist that would be good at it for the uh, for the Renaissance uh, that we are experiencing with them. Um, so it wouldn't be like so. I I'm all in on Adam Hansen being. Like if we had to create a power ranking for the world bike packing championships, go heading into it, Adam Hansen's definitely at the top for a variety of reasons. One is he can make stuff out of anything, right? He can make shoes. Sure. Um, so he can probably make some kind of carbon fiber like pan to make um, like bean casserole on over the, <laughs> the fire. Yeah. Um, um, I think that you've got to, uh, I don't know about a French rider, Whenever I think of a French rider in the Renaissance, I just think of Jimmy Casper. Um, he would clearly not be a, uh, um, a world champion bike no. packer. No. Um, I think that th- there may be some other so, riders. Yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling trying to think of a French rider as well. Um, I, they may not be cut out for the bike packing. I'm not sure. Um, I'll need to do more research. But one, one that does come, on, come to mind, um, Nathan Haas. I think Nathan Haas okay. has what it takes. I think so to be a champion level bike packer. Why what is that? What makes you think that? Yeah, what makes you think that? Well, I don't know really. Okay, good reasoning. I like it. I mean, he's got he's got he's got this uh, quality about him. You know, he's he's a workhorse kind of guy. He's not gonna See? he's not flashy. He's not gonna win a ton of races, but he's always doing the work. And I think that's what it takes. Like that kind of mentality is what it takes to be mm-hmm. a world champion bike packer. I think I've said this before, but I, I, I think all the uh, Nathan Haas press in the last two years because he speaks English is well, and is that's another great reason is mind. that he also speaks English. So, you know, yeah. he's definitely got championship qualities there. He's not a bad rider. I just feel like the amount of press he gets is insane. But yeah. I mean, I just. There's just something about like when I think of the qualities of a bike packer, you can go. There's two different ways you can go. You can go the Sven Tuff slash Adam Hansen way, which you're like old man strength. You're just gonna crush it. You can like n- anything could happen to your bike. You'll find a way to fix it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. or you can go straight power way. Like right, like you can be the um, the Victor Campanots or the um, uh, Primo Roglic style of just like you're gonna get on that bike and you are gonna destroy that but you're not even going to pack a bag because you are just going to go all the way across the uh right. you know the continent without stopping well the problem is if you don't pack a bag then it's just <laughs> randoneering 
You know, like, where's the line? How's the UCI going to drop the rules on this one, yeah, right? Because sure. well, if, if you just got a little light bag just for, you know, with a jacket in it, it's randoneering. But if you've got a bag sticking off your seat post that looks kind of stupid and weighted wrong. It's kind of like fairing. Well, let's let's roll this right into the um, the conversation that I was, uh, we were talking a little bit about in the podcast green room. And that was the um, the announcement of, so it started with the announcement that Rafa is going to be the the clothing sponsor for Education First Cannondale New Balance. And what their whole gimmick in their press release was that they're going to help create content for the team with kind of the main buried detail here was that they're going to look at non-traditional racing. And I listened to an interview with Jonathan Vodders um, over at Cycling Tips where he, or Reddit, where he talks about the, um, uh, you know, what they're talking about. They're talking about fixed gear crits, they're talking about gravel racing. They're talking about events such as, uh, you know, kind of the bike packing around just to create the content of having fun on a bike. And Vodders mm-hmm. even goes out of his way to mention um, Ashton Lambie, the individual pursuit world record holder, and about how he got his start by working in a bike shop and then going to gravel races for fun. And so it's only a matter of time before Ashton Lambie apparently is signed to uh, Education First. Maybe we'll have to get him on the podcast and break that news because we can decide for him that he's probably going to sign. And then at that point, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just reading the tea leaves here. Um, yeah. So guys, do you, is this the future or is this just Vodders being classic Vodders? Like what? Uh, like what can we expect from a World Tour team? What other teams are going to follow up on this type of thing, or is it just kind of? rafa pr that we're used to after uh you know 10 plus years of rafa i i don't know if it's it seems weird for world tour teams i'm sort of surprised it's not the angle that like american uh conti teams are going at you know and showing up to the big gravel events because really it feels like there's more press at that than at uh but i oh yeah but wouldn't you say that there's more like, why would you need to be a continental team? Like, to me, it's like, this is a no-brainer, the little guy. Like, think big. Well, like, this needs to be every team, right? Yeah, no, but I just think in terms of diversifying diversifying where your product is, which your product is your riders riding around with this with this stuff no. on, you know? Like, but but also, like, if this means that Mitch Docker is going to come do Almanza with me next year, I'm all for it. Mitch, I'll you got to get your own way to Minneapolis, but I'll definitely give you a ride down to Spring Valley. In, 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 the, in van the van again? In the van again. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I got the secret camping spot that's free, so you can tell Vodders right there we don't have to pay <laughs> uh, any hotel costs. Um, I'll let you borrow one of my thermorests and a tent. And um, so right there, he's saving money. And the Think about bakery, the content. Think about the content. Yeah, that the bakery in town is super cheap. So snacks, pre-race and post-race snacks, uh, they got, like, pretty pretty killer little crescent moon cookies and stuff they're like 70 cents it's the cheapest bakery in the world so like <laughs> it's not going to cost that much so tell Vodders it's a screaming deal all right now tim you're 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 looking at this uh from one angle and i know it's because you got this interview from Vodders and he's talking about the team uh opening itself up to these other you know gravel events and whatnot but i actually and fixed gear crits well like i mean i think right 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 not- and you think are more teams going to go this way or should more teams go this way? And I think that change is already happening, but on the, on the, on the promoter side, like we are seeing more and more Strada Bianchi style races, Trobro Leone blowing up, um, getting more popular. We're seeing gravel sections in a lot more of the classics, um, that we've been watching. Perry tours. Yeah. Perry tours. Great example. Um, 
And, you know, I mean, before too long, there'll be a fixed gear crit stage of the Tour de France, and that'll be that. <laughs> but, Spencer, I think <laughs> I that... I hope so. Yeah, yes, you're, you're making a good point that there's the gravel inclusion in these races. But I guess that, um, to clarify, and I'm not... Uh, and you're not making this assumption, but I want to put on that it's going to non-UCI events that I find really appealing here. Like they're basically saying, you know what? We don't even care about the UCI and what that does for our brand because it really doesn't do anything. We're going to Dirty Kansas now owned by Lifetime. We're going to go to Red Hook Crit, which is, you know, got Red Bull or whoever all behind it. Like you've got, there's Can so they, much more publicity. The thing is, is they can't do that because the UCI yeah, they can't rules do that. say you can't participate outside UCI events. So they're then just, why they're were there pro tour fun. riders at Red Hook this year? They could send one rider, maybe, but I, they can't send a team. They, remember okay, when but, Lance and his yep. fellow dopers went to do Gila and they had to form their own special yeah, that's, doper team? But that was a UCI race. That's the thing, though. Like the UCI is going to have to make a stand because the difference is. It, what you should be saying, little guy, is remember how Tyler Hamilton showed up at a training crit in Boulder <laughs> that was on promoted by yeah. Abra and not a UCI-recognized governing body, and then that was an issue because they started going after the riders that he was racing against. The, the yeah. difference is, is that Dirty Kanza or like WTC events aren't even in the, like the spectrum of what UCI does. And I think that that's the... So there's no former dopers at all racing Red Hook crits or anything like that? I'm sure they are. Okay. So they could find a way to make this not happen if they decided they didn't want it to happen. Sure, if they want to, but I think that that would be like the death knell of... Like, if they're willing to do that... If there's anything the UCI is good at, it it is putting the death knell into good ideas. Okay, so let's say that goes away, but then all of a sudden the team Education First decides like, you know what, we're going to do our own competition of uh, racing across the state of Minnesota and we're just going to set the record and see who could beat it. Like they they can do that and create the videos and all that. And I think that's got some pull. Um, There's just, it's something unique. I'm excited for it and other teams need to go after it. Um, We've already seen the former pros showing up at events like Southern Cross. We talked about it last week with, you know, Hein Cappy and uh, Lance showing up and Danielson and Van Vandeveld. But it, mm-hmm. it captivated a lot of people are showing up because domestic racing in the U.S. is dead. And outside of the Tour de France, you have these races that people don't even care about that are on the UCI World Tour calendar. I'm all in on this. I think this is the way teams do need to go. Well, I mean, I think I think yeah, this, I you. this outside of the box uh, is is you know, a smart move for the future. And I think races uh, like the Hammer Series are um, smart moves for the future as well. So, you know, like we need growth. We need something different. Uh, We need to not totally abandon the six monuments of cycling, obviously. But, um, you know, we do need to think outside of the box. Did did the Hammer the last uh, bit of the Hammer series happen this weekend or is it next it, week? It happened it this weekend. Okay, we don't know, but none of us know anything about it, correct? Because I don't. We know, know that Mitchelton Scott has taken the victory overall no. in the Hammer series for okay. this year. Um, speaking of Mitchelton Scott, I was on a uh, ride with an individual that has the Arrow helmet from Team Mitchelton Scott. Oh. Did it look too big? It looked too big. Um, <laughs> it's a it's an oddly shaped helmet. I was going to say that. Yeah, but wind tunnel test. There are some helmets that 
some people can pull off. Like I really like how the cask helmet looks with the really low profile. Mm-hmm. Certain riders can pull that off. It kind of reminds me of an old like late 80s, early 90s helmet where you're like, I don't know if that thing has much structural integrity. It's like one step up from like a hairnet, but it's not the styrofoam with the, the, the Lycra cover. So I'm like, all right, you know, that's that's a good looking helmet. I also think the Pac Octal helmet can look good if you have to be if you're like a size small maybe medium you but if you need like an extra that large back sir if you need an extra large no come on pock helmet dude rig a, it's way Aran too big looks you good. have been watching Aran too looks, much cycling man no ron looks like a man from the future <laughs> he's got that pock helmet on and he's got those sunglasses on and he's no, got some look, goofy look kid on out training or or just the ef kid on like Aran look like he pulls off the pock helmet no i'd say michael woods pulls off the pock helmet way better than you're on. I don't know. No? All right. Well, I'm just saying that there's some helmets that look good for others. Like, I have the new laser helmet, and I don't know if I pull it off because it's got that weird, like, temple protection no. thing. I don't love but that. But Gripple, Gripple looked okay in it. Mm-hmm. It, like, kind of counterbalanced his jaw, you know, like his jawline. <laughs> A very nice framed um, look. He's always been searching for one. But anyways, I know I talk a lot about aero helmets, but seeing the the Mitchelton Scott aero helmet in person. Um, oh, man. Aren't all helmets aero helmets now? Yeah, basically. No, it's the stupidest trend ever. Name, name me one helmet that's not an aero helmet. Spencer, I understand where you're going yeah. across. Like, There's way too many aero helmets out there. Um, little guy agreed. I do think that if we were going to buy stock, if we should buy stock in some kind of like helmet future that is just like the more holes the better because i feel like that's going to come back around in about like five years people are going to be like oh this one's right. got more breathability Wait. well let's pause the podcast while i call up my trader so. at the chicago helmet board of trade all right and and get 50 dollars on more holes for next season um so guys i was reading the latest um garrett thomas book um it reads a little bit like a uh, jean leclerc uh John LeClaire, uh, a spy novel because wow, I don't know how it ends, but it's a real page turner because they're investigating who stole Garrett Thomas's tour de France trophy. Yeah. That's a weird thing that happened. It is a weird thing. Who took the trophy guys? Uh, so you guys noticed that Lance offered to give one of his trophies yeah, to Thomas. Was, I think Lance actually pretty, stole the trophy. Very you curious. Think he sold it? How did he get so yeah, many? I think he, hmm. I think he yeah. stole it. You yeah. think he stole it? Look, I, I got to say, though, that was a pretty hilarious tweet from Lance. I really liked that kind of like, uh, just like, I don't, like he doesn't care anymore. I thought, man, man I'm becoming the biggest apologist in the world. Anyways, you're the biggest apologist. That's not. I mean, that's Lance did that so so everyone would talk about him I and know. everyone would think about him and think he's relevant again and think, oh, maybe he's yeah. a nice guy. He's not a nice yeah, guy. He's, he's got an a asshole. couple so, stolen so he, trophies that he can get. Yeah. So Lance tweets out, "Yeah, I've got eight trophies. You know, if you want one, no problem." <laughs> and and now everybody's in a tussle about you know whether or not Lance really won all these tours, and nobody can even remember because the history books have been erased. So. Uh-huh. Who stole Garrett Thomas? You guys think Lance has it. Um, I want to yeah, know Lance what Chris it. Froome was doing in the last like, <laughs> month and a half. Like, I need details. Some whereabouts. I wouldn't be yeah. I, I, it's someone within Team Sky, right? Like, let's just assume it's someone within Sky. So um, Bernal. Well, Bernal stole it. Ber- then, Bernal, yeah. Bernal, I don't know if he stole it because he's got five, like, 
five years worth of record contract money to to buy one from yeah, Lance. You know what true. I mean? Like, like he doesn't need to do the dirty work. So then you start thinking, like, who was it? Um, or is it a jaded member of Team Sky? I would say, is it Leopold Koenig? One of my favorite riders went to Sky, totally disappeared. <laughs> Seems just yeah. like the type of guy that maybe would go steal the trophy and say, that could have been mine. I don't know. Could have been. It's possible. I mean, uh, what about what about a, a, a you know somebody who had an off year? Somebody like a Michael Kiyokowski who wanted to do really well at a Grand Tour or is maybe being bred for a Grand Tour uh, in the future, you know, wanted to see how it looked on the trophy shelf, was going to give it back, and then the press got hold of it, and now he now he doesn't know what to do. Oh, he's too ashamed. He's too embarrassed to ring or it back. Or was it yeah. Moscone? He is the criminal. It was probably he's, most He's gone, probably yeah. got the record, yeah, if anyone on <laughs> Team Sky. Uh, well, we've solved it, you guys. We solved it. Uh, Spencer, uh, you were uh, talking a little bit in the podcast green room about the uh, UCI uh, rules, in particular in relation to uh, women's racing mm-hmm. um, and the schedule of racing, like women's racing last yeah, uh, for cross? we saw that at uh, the World Cups at uh, Trek and at Jungle Cross uh, with the elite uh, schedules being reversed uh, from the norm uh, with the women going in the marquee spot. Um, we tried to do that uh, this past weekend here at Gloucester and the whole um, series in New England. Um, and they got a note mm-hmm. from the UCI a few days before the event saying, oh, yeah, you can't do that. It's against the rules. Uh, which oh, really? to which everyone said, "You have a rule about that." So yeah, it it is a rule in the UCI rulebook that without uh, uh an you know an approved waiver from the UCI, you can't schedule the women in the marquee spot. Wow! So so you, you need to think- you need to get approval to do this. Yeah. Which yeah. seems weird. Like they got a standard schedule. What do you? Who cares? Like if all the races happen for their appropriate race lengths, that's that should be the. <laughs> well, that's assuming that the races actually run the appropriate. Well, sure, race we lengths. are assuming <laughs> like, a lot. Yes, but but what what do you think the rationale is? I would assume the rationale is that they sell it to sponsors as this is when you can expect the marquee race, and the assumption is that the marquee race is the men's race, which is been proven for the last multiple years two years in particular the women's race is by far the best and the most exciting racing out there mm-hmm. and so it's this assumption of a male dominated sport and therefore the men should be the marquee race and that's what's sold to sponsors is that the uci's like but, rationale here but what probably if you're talking about banners around the course and things like that like they're the same for both races right yeah well if you're talking about like when broadcasters are planning their schedules if they went in with one schedule as opposed to a different schedule i mean that could be part of the the writing of the rule maybe it's because uh vanderpool likes to eat breakfast at nine and if he runs before the women's race he's got to eat it at eight and so he called him up and was like i'm eating at nine boys that's probably as much accurate as anything we could come up with then he bunny hopped him (laughs) then he bunny hopped him well with that sad news of the UCI once again stepping on their own, uh, their own, I don't even know, their own tail uh, to ruin bike racing on something that was cool, um, 
we're going to take you to the end of the slow ride podcast. So make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram at the slow ride pod. Also rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps others find the show. And, uh, you know, we, we like reading the reviews on the air. I would also like to personally thank, um, uh, Buckler on vocation as, uh, John works through, uh, the hurricane damage and rhyme Sayers entertainment BK one for the track Tama do cannibal off the album radio do cannibal. And this is Tim in Orlando, Florida. This is Matt in beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Thank you.